0: Hello and good morning. Happy Sunday to each and every one of you. I think we are live at this point. I'll give it just a moment and uh, let you guys start coming in the room. Hopefully you are joining us from Kristen Valley Worships and you were with us in worship this morning. Uh, as always, thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Niguel, uh, for doing such a wonderful job in leading us in praise and worship uh, this morning. This is, again, week 18, week 18 of E-Church at Fellowship of Champions Church International, the church teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith, so that you can experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. As you guys are coming in this morning, I'm going to ask you to do like we always do, say hello to the room, Uh, give some hearts, and then again, let us know where you are from. Uh, Tag some people who you think might want to hear this message today, Uh, share to any groups that you are a part of. I will do the same. And while you're coming in, uh, (coughs) go ahead and uh, let us know where you're watching from this morning. And if you are a first time viewer, uh, just write in the comment section, first time viewer. Uh, We love to shout you out and to say hello to you wherever you're watching from whether it's from the East Coast or all the way to the West Coast, or even across the pond. We have several people who, uh, it's evening time there, and they watch us in the afternoons, on Sunday afternoons across the pond. Uh, And so it is exciting to know that we can uh, be sitting in a room somewhere uh, and sharing the gospel all across the world. Uh, And today I say sitting in a room, and I mean that 100% sitting in a room. Uh, Pastor Sean and I are upstairs air conditioning unit went out on Friday, uh, and they couldn't order a part for a couple of days, and uh, it's hot here in Arkansas, and so uh, we were not going to stay in the house. It was 90 degrees, so we found us a, a nice little hotel suite and uh, came over here to be nice and cool, and she did her call with Pastor Cynthia yesterday uh, from this very same spot, and I'm doing uh, Fellowship of Champions Church from this very same spot. But that's the great thing about God, right? That when you, are, when you are ready to do God's business, it doesn't matter where you are, he'll give you the means to get it done. Uh, years ago, this couldn't have even been possible, but now we have the technology to do it. Uh, even in the midst of a pandemic, we haven't had to skip one beat in sharing the word. And so we thank God uh, for that. Let me go and uh, share this to uh, a couple of places and then we're gonna get in the Word of God this morning. Go ahead and tag, go ahead and tag uh, and share this. Uh, There will be no IG this morning, so all of you who used to jump over or are waiting, I hope you'll come over here. Uh, We just have an issue with the hotel's Wi-Fi connection. It won't allow us to do it, and uh, our Mevo wasn't working properly, and we didn't wanna spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. Uh, and, and, and show up late, so uh, just, you know, those of you that are, are, are used to hopping over to Instagram, hopefully you will join us here this morning and stay here with us. Uh, those who only watch us on Instagram, maybe they'll notice we're not on and they'll come and check us out here, but this is where we're gonna be this morning. Uh, so give me just a second, let me quit talking for just a moment. I'm gonna tell you that Pastor Sean is gonna, she may come at the end, she may not, I may just finish up today. Uh, and give you some announcements and some different things. I don't plan on being before you uh, very long. Uh, but I do want to to share uh, some of the things that we have been uh, discussing uh, here as of late. So uh, we're go- we've been talking about becoming a chill forgiver. So we're going to uh, do part three. I'm going to do my best. I'm pretty sure uh, I can. I'm going to finish it up uh, on today so that the next couple weeks. You get to hear none other than Pastor Sean Strickland. Um, and so um, that's what we're going to do. Amen. All right. So let me uh, let me just begin by by praying. And then we're going to get right into uh, the word of God. Good morning to everybody who has come on so far. Good morning to all of you. I um, hope you're having a wonderful Sunday morning. Again, tag, share, give those hearts out. Uh, And let's get into the word. I know last week I got so excited about teaching uh, (laughs) uh, and and I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to get that excited again today because I absolutely love the word of God. And so when I start talking about the word of God, I get excited. I get uh, motivated. Uh, I, I just love God's word and I know what it does when people fully believe and trust in it and how it will transform their life because the word is transformational. So Father God, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would uh, give us the ability uh, to, to relate to your word today in a way that we've never related to it before. Open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds. Give us new revelation. Give us new insight into your word. Allow us to hear that word. Allow us to become doers of that word. Allow us to hide your word in our hearts that we may not uh, sin against that word. And then, Father, we ask that as we go about our our week, we ask you to give us opportunities to put into practice the word that we have heard. Now, God, I ask that you would crucify me. uh, Allow nothing that I say to be said of self, but to be said of you you and the Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in your son Jesus name, that they be done for the edification of the body of Christ and all of those who are hearing and will hear this word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. I'll say this all the time and you should respond with this. I say this all the time. I say, I am anointed to teach this. And your response is, I am anointed to learn. And whenever you have an anointed teacher and an anointed learner, there's always gonna be supernatural results. So I'm declaring that I am anointed to teach this this morning. And I am declaring that you are anointed to learn this morning. And as a result, there should be supernatural signs and wonders that shall follow you. So let me recap uh, kind of what we've been talking about and what we've been teaching over the last several weeks that I've been with you. Uh, we started this particular series, and this series was entitled "God's System of Promotion." Uh, we said that God has uh, a kingdom, and within his kingdom, there are systematic ways that we are to operate because by operating through those systematic ways, God is able to increase and promote us and cause us to to profit and to be successful in every endeavor that He has called us to in every arena that he has called us to. And so we started off by saying that because we were talking about that even in the midst of this pandemic, we know that the word of the Lord is still true for us, which is that it is still our season of harvest. This is still our year of great harvest. And we are believing yet uh, that God is doing and will continue to do great things in the lives of those who hold on to His Word. You know, I don't know if you had a chance yesterday to watch Pastor Sean and Pastor Cynthia uh, go back and forth uh, in the Word of God. If you didn't, I encourage you to take the opportunity to go back and and, and see that and listen to that uh, because it'll absolutely bless your life for one thing. Uh, but the second thing is that uh, Pastor Cynthia and was talking yesterday, and one of the things that she said. Is a lot of times God will tell people something um, and, and a situation will arise and then people will look at the situation to try to determine whether or not God's word is correct. And the fact of the matter is, if God says something, nothing in the situation even matters. Nothing matters once the word of God has been spoken. And so what we were trying to establish with you over the last several weeks is that when God tells us that it's harvest time, he already knew it was going to be a pandemic. He already knew there would be massive unemployment. He already knew that the coronavirus uh, would, would infect millions of people. He already understood all of those things when he said to us in November and December of 2019, 2020 is going to be your year of great harvest. And so it doesn't matter about the pandemic. It doesn't matter about unemployment. It doesn't matter about what's going on with the economy. We are yet believing God. And so we started off that series and our anchor scripture uh, for that series was Isaiah 48 and 17. In Isaiah 48 and 17, here's what it says. It says, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. And praise God, he is our Redeemer. We've been bought with a price. We didn't have to buy our way uh, into salvation. He paid the full price for it. It says, thus said the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, thy God. And I'm thankful that he is my Lord. He's not just my Savior, but he's my Lord. That means I obey him and I'll follow him. He says, I am your Lord, thy God. He says, and I teach you how to profit. He is a God who is in the business of teaching us to excel. He says, and I will lead you by the way that you that you should go. Now, notice this. He says, not only am I the Lord God who knows how to profit, he says, I'll teach you how to profit. He says, and I'll lead you in the way that you should go. And so everything we've been talking about is how do we operate in this kingdom? Uh, and if you've been listening faithfully to me and you've been listening faithfully to Pastor Ralph, the last several weeks, On our Wednesday night refreshed Bible study You know we've been talking about What is the kingdom And then how do we function in it He's really been hitting on what the kingdom is What the order of the kingdom is What what the rank of the order is And I've been telling you how to function in it I've been saying here are the rules Here are the things you must do While you're in this kingdom That has been established Because the Bible tells us That if we are born again Then we have been adopted into the kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom of God. Even though we live in this world, you and I are part of the kingdom. And so then after we started talking about God's system or promotion, we moved on to talking about how to position ourselves to be led by God, because it is important that you understand that there is a fight for your soul there is a fight for your soul. The Bible says it like this. The Bible says that we have a flesh and that we have spirit and that flesh and spirit are always fighting for control. The Bible says that our flesh is enmity with God. In other words, it kicks against God. It fights against God. It rebels against God. And so we have to crucify that flesh literally on a daily, sometimes multiple times in the course of a a day basis in order to make sure that we are positioned. To be led by God Because remember, why do we want to be led by God? Because he is the Lord God Who teaches us how to profit And he is the Lord God Who leads us in the way that we should go That's why it's important Because the leading Is not the same for everybody The way he leads Pastor Sean The way he leads Pastor Cynthia The way he leads me, the way he leads Kristen The way he leads Ralph May be different than the way he leads you So it's important that you are positioning yourself to be able to hear what saith the Lord for your life. And so the scripture we used to anchor that teaching was John 15, one through seven, John chapter 15, verse one through seven in the voice translation, because in the voice translation, we find that Jesus was telling us how to position ourselves to be led. And here's what he says. He says, I am the true vine, He says, and my father is the keeper of the entire vineyard. He says, if you abide in me, he says, then I will abide in you. He says, know this, I am the vine and you become the branches. He says, therefore, if you abide in me and you know, I'm going to keep my word, I'm going to abide in you. He says, and if you abide in me and my voice abides in you, see, that's the thing. You can't just be going to church. You can't just be reading those uh, Bible app devotionals, but not positioning yourself to hear God. You can't uh, spend a few minutes reading a couple of scriptures and then want to go on and lead, lead your life by the way you want to lead it. He says you got to be in me so I can be in you. He says you got to you got to be the branch and let me be the vine. He says you got to let my father who is the who is who is over the whole vineyard be able to prune you when necessary. He says and you got to be able to hear my voice. Why is hearing my voice so important? Because based on how things go, I'm always leading you so that you're always successful in every situation. Praise God. He says, so if you abide in me and my voice abides in you, he says, then anything you ask will come to pass. And this is where we get so excited because literally he tells us, he says, hey, I got a system to promote you. He says, I am the Lord God who's going to teach you how to profit. I'm the Lord God who's gonna lead you in the way that you need to go. He says, here's how you need to position yourself to be able to hear me so that I can promote you. He said, get get in me. I don't even wanna use the word entanglement, but he says, "He says, be, be bonded to me, amen? Be bonded to me, and then I will be bonded to you. He said, the Father will prune you. He says, and as long as you're listening to me, I'll keep leading you so that no matter the economy, no matter the unemployment rate, no matter the pandemic, no matter what's going on around the world or in the world, I am always positioning you so that you can be successful in every endeavor that I've called you to, praise God. So we said we had to position ourselves to be led by God. And then we went back to what God told us in November and December. The way that we get positioned is through these two words, alignment, you know, the other one, agreement, alignment, And agreement because God told us that alignment and agreement was going to be the thing we needed to do for 2020 because the thing he wanted to do at the end of that was advancement alignment plus agreement equals advancement. That 2020 was going to be our great year of harvest or a year of great harvest for us. And that it was going to, to to permeate from the fact that we got into alignment and agreement with God. And he started talking to us that in November before there was any word of a pandemic, before anybody even understood or knew anything about coronavirus or COVID-19. And so we said we had to be in alignment of mind Uh, In other words, we had to uh, we had to become a people who say, I want to think like God thinks, which is why yesterday Pastor Sean and Pastor Cynthia was saying that it's so important to love the word because a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't hear God or I don't hear God speak to me. They haven't attuned themselves to being able to hear God because they don't spend enough time reading his word. Uh, But you spend enough time reading to your word, reading his word, and you don't even realize what it's doing to you inside. It's actually working something out in your behalf to make you sensitive to hearing the voice of God. So we have to have alignment in our mind and agreement of heart. In other words, if God tells me to go left, even though my flesh wants to go right, I'm in such alignment with my mind, knowing that God knows more than I know, that I force my heart to come into agreement. There's a lot of times we have to agree with God forcefully. What do I mean by that? I mean that we have to go with God even when everything else in us is screaming to go the opposite way. Why? Because God is never wrong. I said this to somebody the other day. uh, Someone said they was offended with God. Uh, And I was just saying to them, I said, how can you be offended with perfection? How do you get offended with someone who's never made a mistake? How do you get offended with someone who's who, who created everything that we even understand and things we don't yet understand? How do you get offended with them? You know, I said, if it's going to be an issue and the issue has to be either me or God being wrong, guess what? It ain't God. So never get offended with God. Always come into agreement with God. If God says you missed the boat, don't argue and tell God you didn't miss it. If God said you missed it, you missed it, even if you thought you were spot on. And so make sure that you get your heart in agreement with God and get your mind in alignment with God. And then that brought us to our uh, series, our, our lesson teachings that we were teaching about the last couple of weeks, which is how to become a cheerful giver. Why is that important? Because God uses giving as a mechanism sometimes to unlock and to give out miracles. And the truth of the matter is sometimes we need some miracles in our lives. Amen. And giving has so many benefits. And we began to talk about that. Uh, in the scripture that we read that anchored us in that was 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Somebody says, why are we going back through this? Because you never want to get tired of hearing the word over and over and over again. You never want to despise repetitive teaching. It's the reason they have football players run the same route over and over again. It's the reason that professional bowlers have an exact number of steps they take before they release the ball. It is the reason that tennis players know exactly where to put their foot on the line when they're getting ready to return or serve. Why? Because you do it over and over and over and it becomes muscle memory for you. God wants giving to become muscle memory for us because he doesn't want our flesh to talk us out of part of the system he's put in place to cause us to prosper, amen? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse six through eight, in the Amplified Version, it says this. It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously so that blessings may come to someone else, praise God, will also reap generously and with blessings. Verse seven says, let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purpose in his own heart. Notice that mind and heart. What does mind have to do? Alignment. What does heart have to do? Agreement. He said, let each person's in their own mind. Well, what's the mind? Is it your own personal mind? No, it's that mind that is aligned to Christ. He said, let the person who's giving have a mind that's aligned to me and let a person who's giving have a heart that's a, that's in agreement with me. He says, and then let that person give, he says, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or even under compulsion. It says, for God loves. And this is what we kept talking about last week. What does God love? He takes pleasure in and prizes above other things. He is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. It says in God is then able to make all grace every favor and every earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Notice you're asking God for something, but God's not going to give you just what you asked for. He's literally going to give you more than what you asked for. Why? Because it says he takes pleasure in. He prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do a giver whose heart is in his giving. It says he will make all grace abound to you, every favor and earthly blessing. It will come to you in abundance so that you may always under all circumstances, praise God, watch this, and whatever the need arise, you would be self-sufficient. What does it mean to be self-sufficient? The Amplified says possessing enough, to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and every charitable donation. Listen, God has a system already in place that he wants to promote us. He has a system already in place where he wants to lead us. He has a system already in place where when we become a cheerful giver, that's our duty that he is unwilling to do without us. He is unwilling to abandon us. It says he is unwilling to do with the person who is a prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. How do you, how is your heart in your giving? Because you have your mind in alignment with Jesus and you have your heart in agreement with Jesus. And when that happens, something supernatural always takes place. And that's what we call advancement. Amen. And so then we had some major points that we started to discuss uh, on last week. So let's discuss some of those major points and then get into today's teaching. Number one, we said the Bible teaches us through scripture that there is a tremendous power in giving. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say there is power in giving. There is power in giving. There is power in giving. Both the receiver and especially the giver, there's a, there's a blessing placed up on that person who understands the power of obeying God where giving is concerned. Number two, we said that something supernatural Always happens when we give. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say something supernatural always happens when I give. Something supernatural happens when I give. Always. Something supernatural Always happens when I give. Well, well, Pastor, why do I have to type that? Because you need your eyes to see it. You need your hands to feel it. You need your ears to hear it. It needs to create a pathway in your mind that something supernatural happens when it's time to give. So when God asks you to give of your time, your talent, your resources, your capital, whatever it is, financial, whenever God asks you for something, you got to have that pathway that's been established that yo, this is the opportunity for something supernatural to happen in my life. I now get to partner with God. I get to do something that's going to position me to be better off than I could have ever done on my own. Praise God. The scripture we used for that was Luke six thirty eight in the Passion Translation. It said, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. They will be shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over top. It says your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. I love that. The measurement of your generosity becomes a measurement of your return. Go ahead and type in the comment section, I determine my harvest. Go ahead and type that in. I determine my harvest. I get to determine my harvest based on how I give, based on my obedience to God, based on the measurement that I'm willing to be involved in. See, sometimes when it comes to giving, uh, Pastor Sean and I have this thing we call choke level test. Uh, A choke level test is when you get uh, when you get to the place that, you know, it was hard years ago for us to give ten dollars. It was a stretch. We didn't have much. Uh, but we were faithful over that ten dollars. We were faithful over our tithing during that time, and God increased us. And then it became a stretch to give a hundred dollars, you know. But we we continued in, in in that steadfastness. We we were faithful in our tithe. We were faithful when He said to give, you know. And then He He asked us for a thousand dollars, and that thousand dollars was a was a stretch. But you know what? Being consistent pays off because we were consistent. We were able to continue to do those things that God asked us and every single time at every level, whether it was $10, $100, $1,000 or the next level, the $10,000 gift. Listen, every single time God asked us for, it, we had the opportunity to either pass the test or to punk out. And that is true for you. I don't care if your test is a dollar. $10, $100, $1,000, whatever it is, you're gonna have the opportunity to either trust and believe God or punk out. And I'm challenging you this morning that when it comes time to obeying God, not just where money is concerned, but where money is concerned, that you don't punk out, amen? You, Pastor Sean says it like this, don't be a faith punk. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I am not a faith punk. I am not a faith punk. That's right. I don't give up. I don't cave in. I don't quit and I don't back down. Why? Because I am not a faith punk. Amen. And then the third thing we said, the third point we talked about was that the scripture teaches us how to give. It says we are to give both generously and with the right motivation. We know that God is a giver. We know he is a rewarder. We know that we can't be God's giving, but we don't use God as a genie. We don't use God as a prop where we try to give something to him to make him give something. No, no, no. We give because we've already gotten something so precious that we could never pay for. The gift of eternal life. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. God gave us the best he ever had. And so because he gave us his best, it is our honor, it is our privilege, and it is our responsibility to give him the best that we have. Because giving with the right motivation and and giving generously always causes blessings to manifest in our life. It's just the system God set up. So as long as I am giving generously and as long as I am giving with the right motivation, I can never come up in lack. Amen. Go ahead and put this in the comment section. Say there is no shortage when I give the right way. There is no shortage when I give the right way. My God, if I was in church, I'd have you find five five people to high five and just tell them there is no shortage when I give the right way. God God will not be mocked. God will not be ridiculed. He would not allow you to be ashamed by following his word. When you do it the right way, there is always manifested blessings on your life. And then number four, we said that the outside world is always going to come up with the reason why we shouldn't give. Or another way to say it is the outside world is going to always come up with a reason why we should not obey God. It's always going to tell us that you're moving too far outside of your comfort zone. But know that big blessings come outside your comfort zone. You can start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation. Everybody you see who receives something big from God did so because they went outside of their comfort zone. I mean, the story is just Full. I mean, the Bible is just full of stories of people who went outside their comfort zone. Listen, Noah saved his family because he went outside of his comfort zone. It had never rained before. But God told Noah, gave him specific instructions on how to build what was what, what no one even knew at that time was called a boat or an ark. There was no words for that. They had never heard that before. But he followed God's instruction to the saving of his family. I am telling you, God sometimes will ask you to come out of your comfort zone, not just for you, but for the saving of. Of your family. That's right. God will call you to do something that's so radical and so beyond what you would ever normally do. That it will not only bless you, but it will bless your children and your children's children and generations to come. That's what obedience does. Obedience produces generational blessings. And disobedience will produce generational curses. That's why we choose to obey God. And so then we started talking about the types of giving. We said there were four types of giving. We said you can give alms, which is given to the poor. We read Proverbs 19 and 17. It says that he who has pity on the poor actually lends to the Lord and that which he has given will be be repaid, praise God. So alms giving is something we ought to participate in. We then talked about what the tithe was. We then talked about what offering was. And then we talked about grace giving and grace giving ought to be the, the goal of every believer. Because grace giving is when you tap into that thing where you're giving just because you you got an unction from the Holy Ghost to do it. You got an unction from God to do it. It goes above the 10%. It goes beyond the the, the yearly uh, helping just at Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's, It's a daily thing. You're finding ways. You're seeking out ways. You're asking God, show me who I can be a blessing to. And then we said that when you become a grace giver, there were some things that that, 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 that should be done in, in, the, in the avenue of grace giving. We said it should be done generously. We said it should be done willfully. We said it should be done out of love. And it should be directed by God. Those were the four things that we said, if you're going to be a grace giver, you can always check your giving because you got to ask yourself, number one, am I giving generously? When I give, I'm I'm giving the bare minimum I can get away with, or I'm thinking about how I can really be a blessing to someone. And then we got to give willfully. When I give, do I really let it go? There's some people who give and they don't get a harvest because they really never, ever let that thing go. You still asking God, you're going to get blessed from the $25 that you gave back in 2017. Listen, when you give it, you got to release it in order for it to come back to you. You can't keep thinking about it. Or even if you bless somebody, uh, not the church, but just an individual. And they haven't paid you back yet. Listen, I know it sounds crazy. Release it. Release them. Don't hold on to it. They know they owe you. They haven't forgotten. But if they haven't paid you back, it's either because they don't have it, they're ashamed, or they're just trifling. But either way, God's got your back. Just let it go because you want to be a grace giver. And then you got to do it out of love. You got to do it out of love. You can't give to somebody because you want to control them, because you want to manipulate them, because you want to hold something over their head. That's the wrong motivation to give. And then we said it's got to be directed by God. What did God say? I don't know how many times Pastor Cynthia said that yesterday and Pastor Sean said that yesterday, but I'm telling you, people think sometimes that we are being uh, dramatic, I guess, when we say, what did God say? But literally, we live our lives by that. What did God say? Because if we get a word from God, we've got something to stand on. If we don't get a word from God, then all we're doing is just out here hoping that the situation and circumstances line up so that they meet our goals. But the reality of it is, is that most of the time the world doesn't just line up to meet your goals. So we got to know what did God say? And then we said that there were some principles you need to follow when you give. That when you give, you need to give secretly. We said you need to give cheerfully. That you need to give sacrifice sacrificially, and then you need to give proportionately. And those last two are very important, giving sacrificially. What does that mean? That means that I'm willing to go outside of my comfort zone and give when the Lord asks me to. Someone asked me one time, they said, well, how do you do that? Well, here's how you do it. You remember God owns everything. I own nothing, but I get to be steward over everything he's given me. I get to steward everything he's given me. And as a steward, I get benefits of what he placed in my hand. Because when God gives me the 100%, even if he asks for 30% of it, I still get the 70%. Why? Because he'll make the 70 be more than what the 100 was if I was trying to deal with it on my own. I know I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Now, listen, I have to say that sometimes because I get so excited, it helps me to calm down. Because when I start talking about how good God is, I get real excited. Why? Because I have seen God work in my life. Amen? I'm telling you, you want to be a person who who, who doesn't mind going outside of their comfort zone. And then you want to be a person who gives proportionately. What does that mean? That means that I give in the same manner that I want to receive. So if I want to receive quick, I'm going to give quick. If I want to receive big, I give big. I do whatever the Holy Spirit prompts me to do. And I can do it with confidence because I know at the end of the day, it all belongs to him. I'm just a steward. Amen. And then we said there were some benefits of being a giver. There are some benefits to being a giver, both spiritually and naturally. And I gave you some of those natural things on last week. I said last week that when you become a giver, giving stimulates the mesolimbetic pathway which is the reward center of our brain, or the reward pathways of our brain? And what happened is when that, when that, when that mesolimbic sy- uh, synapses, when those things begin to to fire, they create or produce what's called endorphins. And you guys know about endorphins; it's just a an entire set of chemicals that gets re- released in the brain, and it goes to the body. And 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 really, uh, if you study, what you'll find is not only is it considered a, a happy drug, which which it is. It's also uh, a painkiller. Uh, endorphins are actually uh, chemical agents that work the same way that painkillers does. So literally, uh, you, you can be a person who is in, in mental pain, in, 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 you're sad, you're depressed, you start to help somebody else, you start to give to someone else, and I'm telling you that mesolimbetic pathway gets, gets activated, endorphins get released, and they start to kill the pain of that depression. And so there are some physical, logical, there are some spiritual and some mental principles that are beneficial when you become a giver. Listen, what are are those? Because we talked last week about something produced, that that, that thing produces something called a a helper's high. Well, what's a helper's high? A helper's high is this idea that these chemicals get released and I get high off of helping people. I, I, I get energized. I get invigorated by being a helper. And we said, number one, that giving is good for your health because it does these three things. It lowers your blood pressure, it lowers your stress level, and it aids you in living a long life. Now, if you don't wanna live long, don't be a giver. If you wanna add to your life, learn to be a giver because it's gonna reduce stress and reduce your blood pressure. And number two, we said giving helps with social connection. Why? Because it increases your self-esteem. You feel better about yourself. When you feel better about yourself, you want to present yourself to others. You want to help other people. You see yourself as a person who has something of value and something that can be added to somebody else's life. And then number three, we said giving makes us feel happy. Wow. Again, it, it causes depression to be less. And it causes greater happiness because we live in this state where we're always helping. We're always releasing these endorphins. Our mesolimbetic pathways are always being activated and we just overall feel better. And then number four, we said giving invokes gratitude because when you become a giver, you realize that there are lots of people who don't have what you have. Lots of people spend a lot of time thinking about what they don't have. When you become a giver, it helps you to think about what you do have. And then you get this thing called an attitude, of gratitude. And you need an attitude of gratitude. And then number five, we said that giving is contagious. And I love this. Giving is so contagious. I saw this happen even on last week when we hit our goal for our scholarship fund. Uh, We put another fundraiser up on Facebook. Uh, We were trying to raise an additional $3,000. And as soon as it got close to about $2,700, people started seeing it. They just started giving, 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 giving. And now we went over to $4,000. Why? Because people want to be a part of something that is helping somebody. So, if you, so so why don't you be the catalyst? Why don't you be the person who starts the fire of giving in your family, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, in your church? You be the person because giving is contagious. And then last week we finished up by talking about how good God is and how he gave us Jesus and in giving us Jesus, it was his number one gift. He didn't give us some, some, some second rate angel uh, from heaven. No, no, no. He gave us his only begotten Son. And he said, Whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. He gave us his best gift first. That's a principle. Give your best gift first. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I give my best gift first. That's right. I don't wait around and see what somebody else going to do. I, I, I'm a leader. I'm a trendsetter. I give my best gift first. I don't try to ration out my gift to see who I'm going to give on Monday and Tuesday. And I, whatever the Lord asked for, I give my best first. Why? Because it's the principle he established with Jesus Christ. He gave us his best gift. First, And then we ended up talking about what happens when you don't have enough. Praise God. And that's just where I was just in love last week. We started talking about what happens when you don't have enough. When you don't have enough, that is your seed. It is your seed. And we talked about the young boy that we saw uh, over in, in Mark chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9. And, and we saw where, where he, he, he had two fish and, and, and some bread and he gave it to Jesus and he put what wasn't enough in Jesus' hand and it became enough. And that was the principle we was trying to get to you. That sometimes in your life, what you think you have is not enough. But if you would do what Jesus did and look toward heaven, that's that was symbolic. He looked toward the Father because he knew the Father had the ability to multiply and multiply and multiply until there was more than enough. And you know, we ended that by saying that those baskets, they weren't some little, little tiny basket, they were large baskets baskets large enough for grown men to get inside of. It says, and the young boy went home with 12 baskets. He took a snack pack and went home with an entire buffet. It it was enough to feed his family and probably people in his neighborhood. I'm telling you, your obedience to God to go beyond your comfort zone will do more, not just for you, but it'll do for you and for your children and for everybody you're connected to. And we said that, that was the thing that anchored us in our giving. We looked at, uh, I believe it was uh, Corinthians 13 and 3, and we talked about giving out of a place of love because the Bible says in in, in Corinthians 13 and 3, it says we can give all of our bodies and all of our goods to the poor. We can even give our bodies up to be burned. It says but without love, it profits us nothing. Without love, it profits us nothing. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 that when we turn every Thing over to God, his grace is sufficient. His grace becomes sufficient. So when it comes to being a cheerful giver, we have to know whatever God's asked me for, it's not going to take me below. It's going to take me above. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. And so today I want to get into what I want to finish with uh, today's topic, which is becoming a cheerful giver part three. Are you ready for this? Let's go. We got about Yep, we got just about 15 minutes and we're going we're going we're going to knock this out. So let's talk about today's scripture. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says this. It says this book of the law Shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe. Watch this. He says, you're going to meditate. Pastor Cynthia and, pa- and Sean, ta- Pastor Sean talked about this yesterday. Meditate. That means to ponder. It means to, to go over and over and over. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Why? Why? for then you will know how to make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. See, everything we've been talking about since we started this series was getting us to this point why do we need to know all of these things in God's word? Why do we know how to position ourselves uh, to be led by God? Why do we need to know about the pros- about the, po- the posture of giving? It is because when we meditate on all of these things, they become who we are. And when they become who we are, then we are able to cause ourselves to prosper because we're doing things in alignment and agreement with the kingdom. And then that is when we find, find good success. Now, what is good success? Good success is different from world success because world success says you could be successful today and not successful tomorrow. You can have millions and billions today and lose it all tomorrow. But the Bible says that when you follow God in the kingdom, there is no uh, backtracking. There is no retraction. God gives you the kind of success that adds no sorrow with it. It's the kind of success that comes with no sorrow. That means that I can not only have money, but I can have money and a happy marriage. Now I don't I don't have to just have one or the other. I can have them both. And I can have kids who are not rebellious. And I can have friends that are loyal. And I can have family who loves me and doesn't and don't try to use me. I can literally have Everything that I desire and dream of when I do it the right way in the kingdom, because that is what good success looks like. Go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I will have good success. I will have good success. Not just not just worldly success, not just success by the world standard, but I will have good success. And then uh, our, our second scripture for today is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I love this because this is actually the memory verse uh, for our teams in Ignite for this week. And when Jordan and I was going through her um, her lesson, uh, she was trying to, to memorize uh, Philippians 4 and 6. And I said, look, here's, here's a real easy way to remember it. Let's go to the New Living Translation. And as soon as we went to the New Living Translation, she read it a couple of times and she got it just like that. And I'm telling you, you ought to get Philippians 4 and 6. I say Philippians 4, 6 and 7 in your mind. It ought to be seared in your mind. Why? Because here's what it says. It says, don't you worry about anything. You hear me? Don't you worry about a single solitary thing. It says, but instead, how about you pray about everything? It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It says, then tell God what you need. Praise God. Tell God what you need. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. So I said, well, why would I be thanking him for all that he's done? Because if he did it before, he'll do it again. That's right. Don't you worry about anything. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And after you tell God what you need, go ahead and spend some time thanking him for all that he has done because you know he'll do it again. And then verse seven says, then you will experience. Then you will experience. Then, then, then. After what? After I stop worrying. After I I stop worrying about everything. After I start thanking God for everything. After I start telling God what I need. After I start thanking him for all all that he has done, it says. Then, at that moment, he says, "You will experience God's peace. Praise God! You will experience God's peace with ex- which which exceeds anything we can understand. Listen, God will give you such peace. He will give you uh, such grace. He will give you such rest. It will absolutely blow your mind." Now, what is this word peace? This word peace is the word shalom. We know shalom means nothing missing and nothing broken. It says, man, when you get to the place where your life is such that you don't worry about anything, that you pray about everything, that you tell God what you need, and you spend your time thanking Him for what He's done, He said there's going to be nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. He says, in the type of nothing missing, nothing broken I'm talking about, is going to go beyond even what you can imagine. He says his peace will guard your heart. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. So once God has promised you something, the world's going to come and try to convince you that what God said isn't real. It says, listen, if you don't worry, about anything. It says, if you will pray about everything, it says, if you will tell God what you need and then thank him for what he's done, it says, while the world's trying to get you to think that God is a liar, God's peace will come in and it will guard your mind, alignment. It will come in and it will guard your heart, agreement. It says, as long as you are living in Christ, what does that mean? I don't let his word go. I don't let his word slip. I don't forget what he told me. I keep believing him even in the face of every obstacle that comes my way. Why? Because as mom said yesterday, it don't even matter. It don't even matter what the economy is saying. It don't even matter what the doctor said. It don't even matter what the lawyer said. All that matters is what did God say? What did God say? Because whatever God said is what I'm going to believe in. Glory to God. So, so, so what do I need to do to, to live this kind of life? How do I position myself this? The, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 in the Amplified, it says, honor the Lord with your capital. Now watch this. Honor the Lord with your capital in sufficiency from righteous labors and with first fruits of all your income. It says, learn to be a person who honors God through giving. Learn to become a cheerful giver. Learn that when God gives you strength and breath and favor and, and, and to get a job, to increase and promote on that job, it says be a person who returns that generosity by honoring the Lord with your capital insufficiency. See, there are some folk who want to argue about whether or not you should tithe, whether you should give to the church or not. Do you not understand that it is all God's doing that even allows you to live at the level you currently live at? But that if you would honor, and that's what giving does. Giving is about honor. You know, when it's Mother's Day or Father's Day and the church gives me or Pastor Sean something, we talk about it. We don't Ever take that for granted? Why? Because the truth of the matter is, there are lots of people out there who don't honor their pastors. So when y'all do something for like that for us, it we receive that as honor. It is honor. It is you saying, "Hey, pastor, here's a token of appreciation for what you do for us." Listen, when I give to the Lord, that's all I'm doing. I'm saying, God, I could never give you enough for what you've done. I can't pay for salvation. I can't pay for healing. Lord, I would give every dime I had at the beginning if someone told me that Jordan would end up the way she is today based on the way she was when she was two or three years old. I'd have gave my life savings to it, but I, but I couldn't have paid for it. So when I get a chance to give, I'm just honoring God for what he did in her life. I'm I'm honoring what he's done in all of my kids life. I'm honoring him. Listen, the best marriage therapist couldn't have repaired the marriage that I had. I had jacked it up too much. I had done too much dumb stuff. I had I had been too ignorant. I had, I had said too many hurtful things, but God fixed it. God fixed it. And when God fixed it, listen, I couldn't have paid for it, but I can honor him and say, God, I Thank you that even in the midst of being a knucklehead, even in the midst of being someone who didn't know what they was doing, and was tearing up the very thing they said they wanted. God, I thank you. And so I'm going to honor you by giving to the scholarship fund. I'm going to honor you by giving to the person you asked me to. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give to people in the church. When someone asks me, Pastor, can you help me? If I can do it, we're going to do it. If I can't do it, we're going to pray and find a way to do it. Why? Because we believe in honoring the Lord. Understand, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labor and with the first fruits of all of your income. He says this So shall your storage places be filled with plenty. Praise God. And your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. Now I realize that you may not be a farmer today, and you may not be a winemaker. So let's bring this thing into 2020. When he begins to talk about storage places, he's talking about your checkbook. He's talking about your savings. He's talking about your 401. He's talking 401k. He's talking about your IRA. He's talking about your investments. Any place where you would store up resources, he says that when you begin to be a person who honors me with a portion of those resources, I'm going to cause all of those storage places to overflow in your life. We honor the Lord with our money when we trust and acknowledge him. And trust is huge. No matter what we say, when we honor someone, we give their words weight. We give their words weight. And when I trust God with my resources and my money, I am giving God's word more weight than I am the money. You understand what I'm saying? I am giving God's word more weight than I am giving what keeping the money would do for me. When we examine this relationship between our finances and trust, there are several questions that we must consider. Here are the questions we must consider when we begin to look and examine the relationship between our finances and our trust. Here are the questions. One, who should be giving? Number two, why and how should we give? Number three, to whom should we give? And number four, what will happen when we give? What will happen when we give? One more time, who should give? Why and how should we give? And we know a portion of that because we talked about being a generous giver, giving out of love. Number three, to whom should we be giving to? And then number four, and what will happen when we give? Understand this, all believers should be givers. All believers should be givers. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say all believers should be givers. All believers should be givers. Why? Because it is both a responsibility and a privilege. It is my responsibility, but it's also my privilege. For those who have received the ultimate gift, I have. I've been born again. That's the ultimate gift. If you've been born again, you've already received the ultimate gift. Nothing else you ever get is going to be better than that. And so it is our responsibility and our privilege because we have already received the ultimate gift, which is the gift of eternal life. So all believers should be givers. All believers should be givers. All believers. If you say I'm a believer, but I don't believe in that giving. You deceive yourself. You're not a believer. You are self-person. You believe in whatever is best for you. Because remember Ralph talked about this. In the kingdom, you don't get to make up your own rules. The decree is whatever the king has decreed. It is what we follow and we follow it without question. Why? Because we are under the servitude of the king. But here's what the great thing about the king is. We serve a benevolent king. That means our king looks better when his kids look better. And so he wants us to obey so he can bless us so the world gets to see the benefit of living under a benevolent king. Now, you can say that you trust God all day long. You can say you trust God. You can say you honor God. But the proof can always be seen in how we handle our money or what we consider most valuable to us. And let's just be honest about it. okay? for the next five minutes, let's be honest about this. Money is that thing that most of us consider most valuable. How do I know? Because we spend our time waking up and going to work in order to make money. Most of us, most of us, most of us don't go to work just out of um, pro bono. We don't do we don't do it just just because we want to go help somebody and, and, and be at work. We expect to be compensated for our time. Our time is valuable, and so we match it with the resources, the money that they pay us. And so when you start talking about trust, here's how you know whether you trust God or not. How do you handle money where God is concerned? How do you handle money where God is concerned? The level of consistency and how you handle that really shows you your level of trust and maturity where the things of God are concerned. The Bible says this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 8. It says, trust in the Lord. Watch this. You know this scripture. With all thine heart, lean not into thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. It says, be not wise in thine own eyes, but reverence the Lord and depart from evil. What is evil? Not obeying God. It says, depart from evil. Don't take opportunities to disobey God. When you're in the kingdom and God gives you a decree, don't don't practice evil. Don't lean to your own understanding and say, well, maybe I shouldn't do it God's way. He says, no, no, no. Don't lean to your own understanding. He says, but acknowledge him and let him lead you. He says, and if you do that, then you can depart from evil. You can escape evil. How do you escape evil? By obeying God. You escape evil by obeying God. It says that when you do that, it's gonna be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. He uses these particular words because it's the illustration of a baby being in the womb. A baby is 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 gets its nutrients from the mother because they're they're connected through the umbilical cord. And we know that the that the, the bones themselves, the marrow in the bone, is, is, is where you get all of the, the nutrients for bone development. He said it's gonna make you strong and it's gonna keep you connected. How? If you were to Apart from evil, if you will obey God when in any area, but in particular where this area of giving is concerned, understand to trust is to lean on or rely on God. God loves to be trusted in all areas of our lives, including where our finances are concerned. Trusting God, even in tough times, reassures us that things will get better. That's what mom and Pastor Sean was talking about yesterday in the live. And I keep talking about that because I'm encouraging you to go back and look at it. Listen, when you get a word from God, nothing else matters. Bad things may come. You live in a natural world. There may be some naturally bad things that happen. But what did God say? The Bible says in Psalms 30 and 5, it says, weeping may endure for the night. It says, but joy will come in the morning. I say it like this. Weeping may happen, but joy comes when we keep trusting God. The joy doesn't have to be a time frame. Something bad can happen. In a moment, you can still decide that you're going to trust and believe God. And watch this, that mesolymbotic system will kick in. You'll begin to release endorphins and you'll be like, you know what? I'm sticking with God. And instead of getting depressed, you will have joy and peace. Why? Because God already knew what we needed to succeed. And the Bible says he will not allow us to be ashamed. The Bible also says in Romans 8 and 28, it says, and we know that all things, praise the Lord, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purposes. God does not want us to trust more more in what he understands than than the situation. Here, let me say it like this. I know that we have a lot of smart people um, who watch us, who go to our church. A lot of people who have matriculated from, from, from the, from universities around this country, people who have dual degrees, some of them three and four degrees, some of them PhDs and doctors and, and EDDs and JDs and LLMs. We have a lot of smart people, but let me tell you something. God doesn't want you spending more time trusting in that information and in that knowledge and in trying to figure out the situation than he does in you just trusting him. Again, Pastor Cynthia talked about this yesterday. When Jesus told the people who were in the ship, he said, go to the other side. He said, I'll meet you on the other side. And the Bible says that they were headed to the other side on this on the sea. Uh, and, and as they were passing through, the winds came. And the winds came so bad and started to blow. The people on the ship forgot about God's word. They lost their mind. They lost their mind, you know, but then Jesus had to remind them. He had to say to them, did I not tell you that we were going to reach the other side? I'm telling you that when God gives you a promise, when God gives you a word, don't freak out when things go on. Don't just try to trust your own intellect. What did God say? And so then Pastor, Sean, Pastor Cynthia uh, gave us a scripture uh, that I that I, I started reading yesterday. I read it again today. I'm gonna to read it the next couple of days. It's gonna be my scripture reading at least for the rest uh, of the month of July. Is Psalms 25, Psalms 25, one through five in the easy read version. If you caught the end of their live yesterday, uh, this was the scripture that she says she takes like medicine. Uh, she takes it like a vitamin, and I love it. It's Psalms 25, one through five, and here's what it says. It says, Lord. I put my life in your hands. I trust you, my God, and I will not be disappointed. Notice that he says, the psalmist says, Lord, I put my life in your hands. I trust in you, my God, and I will not be disappointed. Somebody ought to go ahead and say amen to that. Somebody ought to just say amen to just verse one and just verse two. Then he says, my enemies will not laugh at me no one who trusts in you will be disappointed. Praise God. No one who trusts in you will be disappointed. No one, no one who, who, no, no, no. People may laugh and they may snicker, but we get the last laugh. Why? Because we're trusting God and he's made us a promise that no one who trusts in him will be disappointed. It says disappointment will come but it won't come to us. It'll come to those who try to deceive others. See, when, because we give with a generous uh, heart and with the right mind, because we live according to the principles of the kingdom, we're not trying to take advantage of other people. So whenever we do what we do, we can rest assured that we did it the right way because we did it because God asked us to. He says, but disappointment will come to those who try to deceive others. It says they will get nothing. They won't get nothing. So even if people try to take advantage of me, they won't get anything. You told me to give to them, Lord. I give to them. They say they they think they tricked me, but they didn't trick me, Lord. I did what you told me to do. They're going to be disappointed. They're not going to get anything. But me, you're going to prosper me. And then verse four says it like this. It says, Lord, help me learn your ways. Praise God. Lord, help me learn your ways. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Lord, help me learn your ways. Lord, help me learn your ways. I want to move like you. I, I, I want to be like you. I want to think like you. I want to groove like you. I want to do things your way, God. Because when I'm in the kingdom and you teach me your ways and I do things the way you do, I get the results that you get. It says, Lord, help me to learn your ways. Show me how you want me to live. Praise God. You show me. I don't want to have to look at anybody else's example. I know I follow after those who through patience, who, who through faith and patience have received the promise, but you direct me who to look at. You tell me how to do it. And, and, if, and if I need to do something that ain't never been done before, you direct my path. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to trust you, God. And then finally in verse five, it says, guide me. Praise the Lord and teach me your truths. Teach me what is true, God. I don't want to just care about the facts. Teach me your truths. You are my God and you are my savior. You are the only one I have been waiting for. You are the one that I've been waiting for. Listen, Psalms 1 through five ought to be something that you just read every single day. It says, Lord, I put my life in your hands. If you don't remember nothing else, that can be your thing. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, Lord, here we go. I put my life in your hands. I trust in you, God. I do it your way, Father. I'm with you on today, God. Teach me your ways. Teach me your truths, God. Because when we trust God first, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. The Bible says in Galatians 6, chapter 7, in the Amplified, it says, Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. Do not, under any circumstances, Circumstance, be deceived and deluded and misled. It says, God will not allow himself to be sneered at, to be scorned, to be disdained, or to be mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. Praise God. I'm going to stop right there. That's good enough. Listen, I want you to understand throughout this teaching, God has been trying to set you up for success. God has a system of promotion. God has a system whereby he assists us in positioning ourselves to be led by him. And then he uses what is valuable to us as a mechanism to cause us to invest in ourselves so that we can prosper on a higher plane. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a giver who is prompt to do it, whose heart is in his giving. It's not just about money, but it does include money. If God asks you to pray for someone, he wants you to do it with the right motive. He wants you to do it with the right heart. Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it out of necessity. Do it because it's an honor and a privilege and a responsibility to pray for someone. But the same thing is true when God asks you to give. When God asks you to give, give because it's your honor, it's your responsibility, but most of all, it's your privilege to do on behalf of God what he needs done in the earth. Pastor Ralph said this on Wednesday night. He says, God needs us to partner with him because while God has the ability to do anything because he set systems up, he doesn't violate those systems. So when he needs something done in the earth, he looks for a man or a woman that he can trust to do his work. I don't know about you, but I want to be the man. I want to be the man that God can trust to do what he says needs to be done in the earth. And as a result of that, I know that he allows me to live at a higher level than I ever could have. Listen, that's that's our lesson for today. That's our lesson for today. The thing I will warn you against, the thing I'll warn you against is if you're one of those people And you say, well, pastor, I've been giving and it don't seem like ain't nothing working. I'd encourage you to go back and ask God again. God, show me where where I'm in error because I can trust you. His word is not his word is not in error. His word is never in error. His word is never in error. And some of you, the reason let me just be honest with you, the reason some of you don't ever see God prospering you is because you've never been consistent and faithful enough over what he's told you to do with your resources. See, some of you think that by being disobedient to God and holding on to what it is that you have when he's asked you to, 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 to give it, you think you're helping yourself, but you're really hindering yourself. The, the Bible says it in Haggai like this. It says, it'll be like you are like you have holes in your pockets. Uh, in fact, he, he, he I think he says it. Um, I think I have it here. Let me see if I have it. Yeah, in Haggai 1, 6 and 7, he says it like this. He says, you have so much. He says, and you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but, but, but you're still not warm. It says, and he who earns wages, earns them to only put them into a bag that has holes in it. It says, thus said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Haggai 1, 6 and 7, Haggai 1, 6 and 7, verse 7 says, consider your ways. If you've been doing it your way and you're not seeing success, consider it. You know, Dr. Phil uh, used to ask people who came on his show, he would tell them to do something and they would say, well, I've been doing it this way and I've been doing this and this and this. And at the end he would say, and how's that working for you? I'm telling you, you say you love God. You say you trust God, but you clam up where money is concerned. You clam up where your finances are concerned. You you don't pass the choke level test when God asks you to give bigger than you intended to give. And because you keep failing the test, you don't get to see the abundant blessing that's tied to passing the test. I'm asking you to do what I said, which is to consider your ways. Don't be the person who gets the promotion on a job and now you're making $50,000 more than you were making, but you still don't seem to have anything in your savings account. It never gets better. Every time you get a bonus, something breaks down and you gotta replace it or repair it. I'm asking you, don't live that kind of life. Be a person who is quick, prompt-to-do giver whose heart is in his giving and watch and see how God will multiply what he leaves you with more so than if you took the whole thing. I'm a witness. I've seen God prosper, me and Pastor Shun in ways that we should not have prospered. Why? Because we have been faithful where our giving is concerned. Not just our money, but we have sacrificed. I've turned down job opportunities to stay where God told me to stay. She's passed up opportunities to do things that probably could have prospered her business, to do it the way God says. And I am telling you that when you turn those things down, they never become losses. They never, ever, ever become losses. Not ever. They never become losses because when you choose to obey God, the blessing is always bigger than what it would have been. If you'd have done it your way. Amen. Praise God. That's it for me today. I don't know if Pastor Sean's coming in here or not. She's in the other room. If she cracks the door, then I know she will. If she doesn't, then I'll go ahead and give you our announcements. I'll tell you uh, what's going to be happening over the course of the next week. I'll tell you uh, how you can give. Listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, Last week, so many of you uh, sent me uh, money via cash app. I appreciate that. I want to let you know what happened because I think it's just a blessing. You sent it to me to be a blessing. I received it. It was over $700 that people had sent to me uh, last week when Pastor Shona said, if this word bless you, uh, send Pastor Edwin a cash app. Listen, I took everything in my cash app and I sold it to the scholarship fund. Why? Because I had asked the Lord. I said, "Lord, give me unexpected income." It was before. It was like Tuesday of last. It was not this Tuesday. Tuesday before I preached on last Sunday. I was like, "Lord, I want some unexpected income to sow into the scholarship fund." So watch what happened. You were obedient when God told you to give to me. It blessed me that I was able to be obedient to give again to the scholarship fund. And now some kids are going to be able to get blessed by that, and hopefully they'll come out of. College with less debt so that they can be better off years down the road and they can help somebody else. And all of that started because you obeyed God. I'm telling you, I've got this revelation that God is seeing me that one act of obedience can carry through a generation. It can just go on and on and on and on and on. So today, If you want to sow, that's fine. That's wonderful. I encourage you to sow. It didn't have to be to me. You may want to sow into Pastor Sean. You may want to sow into Pastor Ralph. You may want to sow into Pastor Kristen. You ask God ask God. You may want to sow into Pastor Cynthia uh, if you were blessed by her word yesterday. But I'm telling you to be open. Just be open to hear God about where you want to sow. If you want to sow into me again, I appreciate it. My cash app is is Money Sign, Money Strict. The word Money Strict, Money Sign, Money Strict. You can sow it to me if you'd like to do that, if this word blessed you. Listen, you can sow into the ministry. I, I encourage you to do that as well. But you know what? Instead of sowing into me today, instead of sowing into me, those of you who, who were going to do that, I'm going to ask you to do something. Instead of sewing into me today, Sew into the scholarship fund. It is absolutely one of my best pet projects right now. So if you were thinking, man, this message really blessed me. Let me bless Pastor Strick with $10 or $20 or $50 or $100 or $1,000, whatever you were going to bless me with, I'm asking you on today, if you will bless the scholarship fund. Listen, there's two ways you can give to the scholarship. I don't know if they can put that up on the thing or not, but there's a GoFundMe link, but there's also a Facebook link. There's actually a Facebook link as well. And I will uh, put that on my page, top of page when I finish doing this, uh, so that if you want to give, you can. I'm just passionate about the scholarship fund. I'm passionate about about this thing that God told us to do in 2016, and we completed it this year. Our very first fulfillment of our first $10,000 scholarship, and then God's given us an outlook uh, for the all the way to 2024. And by 2024, we will invest in almost $400,000 into young people. Three hundred ninety-eight thousand is what we're projecting. Almost four hundred thousand dollars that will have went into the lives of getting people in and through college with the least amount of debt as possible. Yeah, we're talking about twenty twenty-four. We got a plan for twenty twenty-four, and when next year come around, we're gonna be looking at twenty twenty-five and seeing what that looks like. God's got vision. God's got vision, and He told us if we keep the vision, He'll keep providing the provision. So, those of you who wanted to bless me today, if you were thinking of doing that. Uh, give to the scholarship fund, and if you wasn't thinking of doing it, give to the scholarship fund. <laughs> It'll be a blessing. Uh, and so let me let me real quick talk about announcements real quick. So here's here's how the week goes. On Monday we start off with with mindset Monday with Pastor Sean uh, on her page at twelve noon Central Standard Time. Twelve noon on Central Standard Time. I don't know, but I think maybe Pastor Chris may be back with her this week. I'm not sure. Uh, it's been a blessing uh, the last couple of weeks just to even watch Pastor Kristen come into her own. We know she's a dynamic uh, worship leader, but even to just see how she's growing in her communication and, and becoming such a dynamic uh, woman of God. Uh, I'm just enjoying that and, and thank God for Pastor Sean's mentoring and tutoring uh, with that. On Tuesday nights, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, you can join us right here, same bet, bet station, uh, right here on our Facebook page. Uh, at eight o'clock for corporate prayer, um, 15 to 30 minutes. We are, we're in and out, but I'm telling you it's dynamic. Those prayer targets, they come up with every week. They're so in line with what, what the Holy Spirit is saying to me and Pastor Sean. And we don't even, I don't talk to them. Pastor Sean talks to them a little bit, uh, well, more than I do, but it's just so in tune. Uh, and so we thank, uh, we thank Chandra. Uh, Washington uh, for, for leading our, our prayer team. We thank everybody who's on the prayer team, uh, Ari and Chris and Santresa and Tamika, all of those who come on video. That's not an easy thing to do, uh, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, but come on, join us on Tuesday uh, nights at, at 8 o'clock uh, for about 15 to 30 minutes. It'll bless your life. And then on Wednesday night, man, it's got the right name Refresh Bible Study. Refresh. Because a lot of what Pastor Ralph is teaching really is so foundational, um, you know, but it's so good because if you've been in the in the body for a little while, sometimes you can forget some stuff. And the stuff that he, he comes up with to teach on Wednesday night is such foundational teaching. Um, all I can say is it's discipleship. It teaches you how to live, understand, and walk out the word. So that's Wednesday night at 830. And there's two places you can join him. You can join him on his personal page, Raphael Marlowe, or you can join uh, by watching here, Fellowship of Champions uh, Church. Uh, it also gets shared because when I watch it, I share it to our private page. I share it to my unoffendable group. I share it to uh, several different groups. So if, if, if you are on Facebook on Wednesday night and you're connected to any of those groups, uh, you're going to see it pop up because I share it in multiple places. But for sure, you can always see it right here. You can always see it on his uh, channel and then man, then we then, then, then we give you a little reprieve on Thursday and Friday so you can get ready for Sunday morning. You hear me? Get ready for Sunday morning nine. 9- 30 sharp. You don't want to miss not one note, not one word because we have Kristen Valley who comes on and you can watch her live on her page at Kristen Valley Worships. Uh, It also gets shared to multiple places, including here, our private group. I share it to my own offendable page. Uh, I share it to our DMV uh, page. That's right. We got a Facebook uh, DMV page. Uh, the district of, of Maryland, Virginia area, people out there, they get to watch it via that page. And we share it everywhere because we just want people to be blessed uh, by the dynamic worship ministry of Christian Valley. Not, and, not, and not to forget her husband, Gail, uh, who's, who's a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, organist and keyboardist and just, just multiple talent can play and sing as well. And so we thank them for, for blessing us on Sunday morning with worship. Uh, I can't forget to say thank you also to everybody who participates in our ministry. Uh, Let me just say this. I want to thank everybody who who helps with Ignite. I want to thank everybody who helps with Victory Zone. I want to thank uh Clarissa for helping out with our graphics. I want to thank again Pastor Ralph, who who helps out with, with editing sound and stuff to get everything up on the various platforms that it goes to. Listen, I I couldn't do this. Pastor Johnny, I couldn't do this without them. And so could you give them some hearts? Could you just everybody I just mentioned? And I didn't mention everybody by name. I'm sorry if I didn't mention you by name. You know I love you. I appreciate even listen, I appreciate our greeters and our ushers. I know we haven't used you in that capacity in 18 weeks, but I still love you and appreciate you serving. I appreciate our parking lot uh, ministry. I know we ain't been out there in 18 weeks, but I even had them reach out and say, Pastor, do you want to do something in the parking lot where we get everybody together? And I said, Nope, don't want to do that. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys. Our parking lot is not conducive for that and have to pull all the sound out. Listen, I want you to be in the comfort of your own home. I want you to be to be in the cool air. I want you to, to, to be able to go get you a snack if you need to, take a bio break if you need to, and then come back and hear this word. And so I just appreciate everybody uh, who helps and who works with us. And then lastly, if you want to give, there are multiple ways for you to give. There are multiple, multiple ways you can give. You can give through Pushpay. You can give through Givelify. You can give through uh, Tidally, And you can also text to give. If you want to text to give, there is a phone number uh, that they'll put up on the screen along with the other links and you can give to the ministry. And let me tell you something. I don't say this to brag. We are good ground. We are good ground. Why do I say that? Because when people give to us, we get so many testimonies that they come back and say, hey, I did this and the Lord told me to do it. and, And this happened in my life. I believe it happens for two reasons. Number one, they obey God. Number two, they gave with a a generous heart and with the right motivation. And number three, we're a good place to sow. We are a good place to sow. We are, you know, Pastor and I was walking on last week and we were just talking about over the years how, you know, there have been times where we felt like we put our own family sometimes at a disadvantage in order to to assist and help people. And then we said, but you know what? It really wasn't a disadvantage. It it looked like it was at a time, but look at what how God has blessed us and the people we stayed around to help. So it's a twofold blessing. So I'm telling you, we are good ground. We are a safe place to sow. When when, when you give to a particular thing in this ministry, that's what it goes to. And when we say that we're raising money for the scholarship fund, that's what it goes to. When we say we're doing something to buy uh, music equipment or to do something for Ignite or do something for the children's church or to be a blessing, uh, to grow our benevolent fund and help other people, that's what we do. That's what we do, you know, and uh, the other week someone was saying, you know, well, you know, we don't talk about all the people that we help a lot. We're not going to. The Bible says to give secretly. So when there are people in our ministry or people outside our ministry to, to need help, here's all you need to know. If the church financially can bless them without asking you to give anything extra. That's what we do. We don't come to you every time we need something. There are some times, though, that we'll come and we'll say, hey, a particular need is is, is in need. And I love how you guys always respond. We have never since we've been in northwest Arkansas since 2015, I believe it is, oh, five years. We've never had a need and we asked the congregation for the need and it not be met. And I'm telling you, that's why this year can be your greatest year of harvest if you've participated in that. If you've been one of those people who who have gotten involved with that giving like that, man, put a demand on that harvest because you are a part of something that's that's doing great things for the kingdom, okay? So those are your ways to give. Those are your ways to be involved in service. Listen, stay connected. It's week 18. We miss you, every single one of you. I got a message from Hillary the uh, the other day and she was like, man, I just miss seeing everybody. I miss talking to everybody. Hillary, I agree. I miss seeing everybody. I miss talking to everybody. I miss all the laughing, all the joking. Listen, I miss getting out of church and then still everybody hanging around for an hour after church, still laughing and talking. That's when you know you have found your right tribe. When you come to a place and even when service is over, you ain't ready to leave everybody, That's your right tribe. And so I appreciate every one of you, miss every one of you, hang in there, be safe, wash your hands, use disinfected wipes, spray down the things that you need to spray down. And guys, please, please wear a mask, wear a mask. If you think it's not gonna protect you, then wear a mask because it may protect somebody else. Don't make it a political thing, okay? You wear a seatbelt, You'll, you should obey the speed limit. You stop at red lights. You stop at red lights. The government told you to stop at a red light. And so you stop at a red light. Why? Because it keeps everybody safe. So please wear a mask. And if you don't want to wear a mask, stay at home. Just stay at home. Have somebody else go get your stuff or have it delivered. But we've got to get this thing under control. You know, we're, I'm praying for all of our teachers. Uh, you know, who have anxiety about about going back to school. And I know people say, well, what about healthcare workers? Listen, teachers aren't afraid that they're going to get sick. Teachers are afraid that they could get kids sick. That's when I talk to teachers, that's their main thing. They're like, look, I I know like a healthcare professional. They have to do their job. I'm a professional. I got to do mine. I just don't want to be getting kindergartners and first and second and third graders sick and seeing one of those kids die from a COVID related illness. That that would be heavy on my heart as a teacher. And so I'm just praying for wisdom for, for yes, for our president. I'm praying for wisdom for all of the fifty governors. I'm praying for for all of the city's mayors. I'm praying for everybody at the Department of Ed. I'm praying for everybody at the CDC. I'm just praying because we now is not a time for us to get in a situation where we're trying to prove who's right. We just need everybody to be well. Amen. So I'm praying for your safety. You pray for mine. I love you, Pastor Sean. Loves you. Uh, we'll see you here uh, on Pat. Well, some of us will see see each other on Pastor Sean's page on Monday at twelve noon. Uh, for Mindset Monday. And until Tuesday night when we all gather again, y'all be blessed. I love y'all. Take care. Have a wonderful day.